This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. They came from another time and place altogether. The concept of time itself, and indeed time travel, has without a doubt been one of the most fascinating topics explored within the world of science fiction, and in so many different forms. From H.G. Wells' wooden-laden time-voyaging vessel, to the strange anachronistic black monolith in the film 2001 A Space Odyssey, and indeed, so many more. There are, however, strange tales beyond the modern musings of science fiction, but rather real cases of time-defying humans, and of course, time-traveling or time-altering devices. One such device, often forgotten in history, was said to be able to tap into time itself, with the ability to pinpoint and view different moments in time. This strange invention was allegedly engineered by a Catholic priest of the Benedictine order, along with a select secretive group of scientists. The story of a device dubbed the Chronovisor remains one of the oddest possible time travel cases on the books. Some researchers believe that its fate is to be forever locked away in the vaults of the Vatican, But was the chronovisor ever built at all? And how could a device with such extraordinary abilities actually exist? This week on Into the Portal, we get into the topic of time travel in some unconventional ways, discussing the new recent discovery of an entirely new state of matter that defies conventional physics known as time crystals, and so much more. From UFOs in connection to time travel stories, to bizarre ancient alien bugs inside mega-crystal structures. Welcome back, everyone, as we venture on a journey through time and space in search of answers and the truth of time travel and the chronovisor. Welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber A. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we're back uh, with uh, the New Year episode in February. New Year episode <laughs> in February. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome yeah, back. It's been a while. It's been since November. It doesn't feel that long, though, does it? <laughs> I don't know. It feels kind of hmm. long to me, but that's okay. That's what she said, I suppose. That's a good Michael Scott moment right there. Sure. Yeah. There you go. No, I think uh, I think we should toss out right off the top here that, one, we're obviously really excited to be doing this again, but two, we might be a little bit rusty, so mm. bear with us a little bit. We're going to try to ease back into this rusty. Reco- whole <laughs> recording thing. Yeah, okay. Amber actually has a strange uh, <laughs> affliction today. Where unexplained she's, reaction. <laughs> unexplainable <everywhere>. reaction. <laughs> Maybe it was uh, the so anticipation. If you hear any scratching in the background, that's 
just me. She was just that mm. excited to record again <laughs> that she broke out in hives. <laughs> well, yeah, welcome back, everybody. We are excited to be here. Actually, today was supposed to be originally uh, the long-awaited second meeting of the Lodge, Lodge mm. 1908, which we're actually coming up on the one-year anniversary <laughs> of the original meeting. So it's that exclusive, people. It's, it is just that it exclusive. Is. It's an annual thing, maybe. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, maybe yeah. it does become an annual thing. It's, maybe. it's tough to get into the Lodge, and we only conduct meetings once a year, so you better <laughs> show up when we do. No, uh, Adam, uh, Adam Benedict, uh, we've been obviously in contact with him and always chit-chatting and stuff, and we definitely have some stuff in the works. Mm-hmm. But I think we're probably going to save that for Patreon. That's what we were talking about. So shout out to the patrons, shout out to the people that have uh, stuck around. We put out a few episodes yeah. in November, but uh, yeah, more to come because originally part of this episode was to, uh, we were going to kick it off discussing Adam's time machine. Yes, that's <laughs> what I said. Adam the update. And his time machine. If you follow him on social media, you might have seen some of this, but he indeed built, ooh, is it a replica? <laughs> of a time machine and uh, and took it to uh, an event called Haunted America and had a lot of fun things to say. So hopefully we get a chance to sit down with Adam soon and talk about that and uh, make that sort of the topic, the topic of the lodge. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're going to still continue on from the original uh, itinerary of this lodge yeah. meeting and talk about a few different weird things today and ease our way into the topic of time travel, or at least a version of time travel. Perhaps. It gets kind of strange. It's to do with time and maybe space and other things. I don't time know. and space. We're going very, that's very John Keel of you. I guess so. Eh? <laughs> strange creatures mm. of time through time and space. <laughs> okay, let's do this. We're kicking things off with something that totally inspired all of this. The top, like us just talking about time travel, talking about how the hell you would build a time machine, hearkening back to Film Friday and Primer, where they built that really strange box time machine, and I can't hmm. even remember what they used to build it. Who but knows? time crystals. Pause for a dramatic effect. <laughs> um, this is what kicked us off talking about time travel, because there was this recent discovery. I think this was like last year, sometime last year. Or maybe 2021. We have a date down here a little bit further, but it's relatively recent. This discovery that. of essentially a new state of matter called time crystals holy time crystals batman so what are they why does this matter and what does this have to do with time travel other than the word time in the name what makes this so insane is that essentially what is happening is that scientists have kind of sort of accidentally on purpose created an entirely new state of matter that isn't supposed to exist this is totally defined the original laws of thermodynamics and physics And for decades, this concept of essentially perpetual motion or perpetual motion machines, this would be the next step from this thought, like what Edlied Scalden might have been using to be Scalden Scalden? Mm -hmm. from Coral Castle. If you guys remember one of those earlier episodes, allegedly, he had the alleged Mm -hmm. perpetual motion machine that he was using in some way to harness energy to levitate extremely heavy objects. Anyway, getting ahead <laughs> his, of his myself His is a little here. more rudimentary than this. A little more rudimentary. But well, but the idea is that this, this, this idea is not supposed to... It's supposed to be science fiction, right? This whole idea of even non-ballistic motion that we see in like UFO craft to the degree that they move and how fast they move, it's just not supposed to happen. So it's, it's more science fiction. So when the time crystal was discovered, this was 
this was and is and could be (laughs) revolutionary because we still don't really know how it's going to be used yet. But what exactly is it? So researchers are working in partnership with Google. They're using Google's quantum computer. It's basically just like this massive entire room computing system that's suspended from the ceiling. You guys should definitely look it up or we will post a photo of it when we release this episode. And they've created this new phase of matter that's been dubbed the time crystal. What's unique about these is that they have this ability to forever cycle or go back and forth between two different states without ever losing any of its energy. So perpetual motion. So this is challenging the most important law of physics, which is this te- the second law of thermodynamics. And this law essentially states that the disorder or entropy of an isolated system must always increase. So these bizarre time crystals remain in this stable condition, the stable state of perpetual motion. They're resting. They, they don't like settle in any randomness. They're just moving in constant randomness. So I think one of the examples of this was like, if you have a box full of coins and you shake it really violently and you set it down on a table, when you're shaking it, it's in crazy motion that's unpredictable. And when you set it down, they're roughly going to land 50-50 heads and tails. What is happening with this is that when you shake it, it just, the coins in the middle or the the movement inside of these time crystals just keeps going. Mm -hmm. These coins will just keep bouncing around in forever unpredictable motion without settling in any way whatsoever mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy i mean just i mean do you have anything to interject with here before i continue because this is kind of a lot of info right off the top talk no. about easing back into it here andrew i guess hey <laughs> yeah no i wanted to do great snakes but apparently we're not there yet we're doing great snakes soon <laughs> we will be sometime patreon but can, um, um, look forward to that i yeah i don't know i guess that's, that's a pretty crazy technical sort of um amount of information when I was looking into it, because obviously I, I was trying to understand what they really meant by this, like, forever cycling between two states. And it's almost as if, um, like, exactly what you're saying. It, it's a new phase of matter. It's challenging what we know about the current laws of physics. And it, it's it's really interesting because, okay, like, uh, this was kind of an interesting way to think about it that this article in uh, Pursuit, I think it's a University of Melbourne publication, Right. they were talking about how it's like another way to think about these time crystals is like, okay, think of a crystal, like a solid crystal, like rock salt, diamonds, that type of thing. Those types of crystals are obviously defined by how their atoms are spatially arranged and repeated. In fact, like basically every piece of solid matter is in a way like that. But these like space crystals or time crystals essentially they're repeating in space like normal crystals but they're also repeating in time somehow like isn't that weird so that's that's an interesting way to think about it it's very like i mean uh, einsteinian or something you know what i (laughs) mean like for me i'm like i'm still trying to understand in my head it's almost like they're little miniature i mean this isn't this isn't accurate at all but like in my head i picture it as like they're they're little tiny mini like black holes where time because essentially, like, time isn't functioning in the same way within this perpetual motion as it is outside of it. And that, like, you know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. like, they're, it's never going to stop moving. It's, it's not functioning on the same principle as us with, like, linear time and, like, things mm-hmm. coming to an end and breaking down or whatever. Which is why exactly. this has potentially huge, like, 
ramifications for changing the ability to like store information. Yeah. Like massive amounts of information with That's like quantum computing and things like that. Ramifications or consequences of this is right. like, it's a huge breakthrough in that. Like when you look it up on Google, it's crazy the 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 way that it, it looks. And Google, um, <laughs> Google, Google's Sycamore chip. That's what you need to look at because yes. that's what it is. It's essentially that's the processor created by this artificial intelligence division in conjunction with Stanford University and as well as the Max Planck other partners, Institute. Oxford, exactly other, Oxford, yeah. a bunch of people working together, which is kind of cool. Like you know, you got university people, you got private industry people all working on one. Yeah, thing. very collaborative and um, yeah. But essentially, that's the huge breakthrough is the idea that you can store information, which is going to be relevant to a few other things we're going to mention further along in this episode. (laughs) Totally. And that's obviously the main thing because it's building off of something that we already need for one, but also Mm -hmm. just as like an existing technology that we can like build off of like storing information and building off of quantum computing and just computers and machine, you know, machine technology, whatever. But there's definitely other things too. You know what I mean? Because this is just such uncharted territory. That's why it inspired, obviously, Mm -hmm. this episode. Because of the name, for one, which is just sort of on the nose. But, you know, we had to go there. But also because of just the fact that it is... It it just rings true with... Or rings true. It just rings a bell with so many things we've talked about. Non-ballistic motion and UFOs. The ability to open and close... St- you know, periods in time. Uh, like at, other... its, at its most basic level, it's the idea that we can challenge what we currently know about the laws of physics. Exactly. Yeah. Ben, it's based in, you, you know what? It's very fitting that you mentioned uh, the John A. Keel title, and I'm already forgetting it here, but, you know, Strange Creatures Through Time and Space, or whatever, is, Bending Time and there's Space. There's going to be some strange creatures in this episode, too. <laughs> yes, yes, there very much is. Yeah. Okay, and, you know, that's a, maybe not the best transition point, but I'm transitioning anyway. Once again, you guys have to bear, bear with us easing back into this here, but... The next section in our notes is freaking lasers, man, because <laughs> that's essentially how this was was created exactly. uh, by uh, Google's Sycamore quantum computer chip, basically shooting a bunch of different lasers in different ways. And oh, how am I how am I exactly describing it? Finding this state of perpetual like entropy, essentially. Uh, yeah, or whatever. B- yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, they you know the idea was like to quote kick is how they describe it: kick the particles with lasers. Um, on either side of essentially like a lattice structure within within this like quantum computer mm-hmm. and then establish, establish this specific like rhythm to the dynamics, which then ended up creating this perpetual motion, which is the time crystal. Mm-hmm. And that's just it too. Like when we're describing it here, the time crystal, it's not a physical, it's not like a crystal. It's not a physical thing you can pick up. This thing is actually only, you know, visible or acknowledgeable for like, just a few, like, mm. fragments of a second. We haven't actually figured out how to create these things and, like, keep them in the computer, harness it to actually, you know, apply to quantum computing yet. Of course, we don't want to get too, too technical with this and have the entire episode just be about this discovery of time, the time crystals, even though we probably could. <laughs> this was really just more so the inspiration. The fact that they were using... Lasers to kick particles, creating an entirely new state of matter. Just that phrase alone is obviously very inspiring and very fun to kind of play around with. And, you know, pure conjecture here now, but (laughs) this is where sci-fi gets fun. Because 
there's little dippings of the toes into the real world. That's totally what this is, right? It's sci-fi that we're seeing right before our eyes. And the question I, of course, have is, is this actually brand new? You know what I mean? Is this something that perhaps when we talk about, oh my God, I'm already going to sound crazy coming back in after uh, being, you know, recording in November, ancient technologies, ancient humans, not Neanderthals per se, but I'm talking about like prehistory technology, Atlantis type stuff, Hmm. found technology in terms of like earlier people's finding downed craft that maybe had some sort of technology that was just usable, didn't have to be reverse engineered per se. I don't know, like, could, could time travel with these types of technologies actually be old news? Which I, which, I find, which I find fascinating because it just seems like something that's so primordial, right? Like this discovery. It's like we've found, we've figured it out by kicking particles with lasers. Mm-hmm. But there's almost seems like something that's like, yeah, like a, a primordial state of matter that now we have just found with mm-hmm. our modern laser technology. So you're suggesting you know I mean? this is an old technology lost to the sands of time and rediscovered? <laughs> or, or yeah, like the classic sort of Roswellian, like, reconstruct from, like, a downed craft type thing or whatever. I, I, think, I think I We're need... We're definitely rearing into Okay, the but the, I, I need to at least... I need to, I need to skip ahead <laughs> here just so I don't sound too crazy because the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this is because we are leading in or teeing up a story about the invention possibly partial discovery of a device that was invented long before the modern technology we're talking about right now with Google's quantum computer that allegedly was able to time travel, I'm air quoting again, or view time. So that is, I I don't want to give too much away, but this is like, you know, technology that was invented at the turn of the century, basically, the Mm -hmm. the kicking off of this, the idea, the concept, the 19th century. (laughs) So... Yeah. Or 20th century, rather. Like a viewing say. portal, essentially. Yes. Not like a... Anyways, so we'll get into it. We'll, we'll, we'll get into <laughs> it. But we've got a lot of other stuff to cover first, including some other potential ancient technologies that may or may not be relevant to this conversation, but we'll talk about <laughs> What are you later. talking about? It's absolutely relevant to this <laughs> conversation, <kidding>. Amber. <laughs> no, I, I love... You know what? we got to keep it into the portal. So I wanted to just mention a few of these things, because surely, surely there were ancient alchemists and uh, philosophers and physicists, and, you know, they didn't call themselves that back then, but they were trying to sort of harness the power of the gods, per se, which is exactly what time travel would be. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely a godly power. Yeah, it's and definitely inhuman to be able to defy linear time. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell that to, uh, oh, yeah, what was that guy? Something Lee that we covered that lived to be 300 and something years old or whatever. Yi, oh, yi, yin chi, the... Something. the Lucky man, yeah, or can't remember his name, but mm-hmm. anyway, my my point kind Li of Ching here Yun? is yeah, Li Ching Yun. I think that was that it. was it. Yeah, lived to be like three hundred or something like that. Allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> but he maybe he would have been the guy to figure this out. How could people back in the day have figured out how to basically build a, or and or have a laser to kick particles to create a different state of matter to build a time machine? If that was even something you need to build a time machine, a laser is that a requirement? Well. People did think that they existed back in the day, although it's a kind of a misnomer. So that's sort of why I wanted to just bring up a few fun historical examples of ancient lasers. <laughs> uh, and uh, one of the most famous ones is Archimedes' burning mirror, which is this device you oh, know, yeah. in ancient Greece that was said to be basically a laser beam, right, that would repel completely exploding, burning Roman ships. Uh, this was around 212 B, uh, BCE. But 
Of course, this was most likely a series of mirrors and or there's some modern research that suggests that it actually could have been some sort of a steam cannon. Oh, Which is very, very steampunk weapon. That's weird. And very, very cool. Not weird, but like that's kind of a leap for something to... A steam to cannon? To be a cannon or to be a reflective I honestly mirror. didn't look into that further because my entire life no, hearing about that story... It was a series of mirrors, right? Like, yeah, just magnifying a crate. Like, basically, like the movie we just watched. Uh, we just watched uh, the fourth and final Pierce Brosnan James Bond with Icarus. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. like harnessing the power of the sun to create a giant nice. beam. So that was sort of the <laughs> that was the first example. Shout out to the Sacramento Kings too. Actually, they're shooting a beam. They, every time they win this year, they shoot this purple beam into the air and they oh, say, really? light the beam. And it's like this. Huge, <laughs> it's actually like been working for them. They keep winning. It's it's great. We're, we're a far cry away here with that Archimedes example, but there's definitely more. I'm not crazy, Amber. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's crazy. But we do like to make leaps and bounds sometimes. We do like but to, well, there's, there's lines there's, to be there's, drawn. There's, you know, there's, there's fun things to be had it's and not, discussed. And It's not just fun. There's more advanced things. Well, that's just it. And I think the idea is not so much being definitive and like, oh, wow, here are some ancient examples of time travel technology no, per no, se. No, 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 it's no, just no. more so the idea of like, here are some examples of some potentially advanced technology that we don't fully understand Absolutely. At, at this potential moment. But forgetting that whole mirror beam thing, like there's other technology we've already talked about on the show that we can touch on. And uh, I think one that still kind of defies explanation to a full degree is the Antikythera mechanism that we talked about um, a few years ago now. I can't remember how many years ago, but that was a fun episode. And that was something that was discovered off the southern coast of Greece. And this was just at the turn of the 20th century, 1901. Mm -hmm. And it essentially was a mysterious copper device about the size of a shoebox, I should say. Yeah. And it was found in a wreck from an ancient Roman ship. Uh, So... Interestingly enough, it dated to around 100 BCE, and it's not fully understood how this thing worked, but uh, researchers have been able to identify some 32 gears and dials Mm -hmm. that suggest that it was actually a form of an early computer, like a machine of some type at least, that allegedly could predict astronomical phenomena. So it was almost like... A clock computer. Right. But potentially could have been part of something much greater. Yeah. We don't really fully know what this could have been used for. Um, but of course, like, you know, this is all kind of just adjacent to the topic of the day. But, you know, the point is that perhaps there's much more examples of ancient technology not yet found that we... Uh, that could kind of like you know be more trails in the breadcrumbs or just or un- trails in the <laughs> breadcrumbs in the trail. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> or know? honestly, just completely unfindable, right? Because like that's the interesting thing about the Antikythera mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, to some it might sound almost rudimentary, even though it is so ancient. It's like okay, it was it was basically a a, a, a weather predictor or like yeah, an astro an astronomical predi- mm-hmm. predictor, basically a an advanced ancient watch per like mm-hmm. per se. Yeah. But it, it was, it was more than that. And it is, and you're right. It could just be part of potentially a much larger instrument or a series of what instruments, like I'm just picturing mm-hmm. almost like an, an uh, like a Roman laboratory, I guess, or like a command station that had maybe much more. And that's just it. It's like yeah. back in the, back in those days, it's not as if, 
word of this would ever even travel. You know what I mean? It'd be like that classic thing where it's like, I heard about this and it would be totally like myth that something like this could even exist. Mm -hmm. And you have to go far and wide to find the one guy that can like knows how to build it or whatever. It's like very, very, Mm -hmm. you know, that's how it like, that's how it sounds to me. And I just feel like there could be so much, there's so much more to it. Sure, yeah. And, like, you're picturing this whole lab, this Roman lab. Like, what if it wasn't even the Romans? What if the Romans just looted the technology? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Stole it. it Totally. Like, as it was found in Greece. Yes. So it could have been potentially looted. Like, it was found near uh, an island that is actually named after, Antikythera Island. So how much older is it, even, right? Exactly. Like, it could be way predating Roman, like... Well, not necessarily predating 100 BC. Like you know, it could have been acquired by the Romans. It couldn't could have right, been right, something right. that I don't know. Who knows? This is all again just wild conjecture. But and well, you don't know if it's the original one built. Either, well, right? that's, like, so that's exactly it. And, and then like, when was this who, invented? Exactly who made this and yeah. what else were they capable of? Is kind of the idea here. The fun thing to think about. <laughs> right. Right. Um, let the imagination fly. Yeah. No, but, because it's an ancient computer, and that's just yeah. it. That's how. The lasers were discovered modern day and then used to kick particles to create a new state of matter and potentially change the course of human yeah. history. I was just reading actually a little bit more about this um, these time crystal discoveries. There was another crystal that was discovered and like not like, like a time crystal that was published apparently. Mm. And this one um, allegedly had like used an actual diamond to create. Oh, the, cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's See, kind of interesting. So there, is, there is real physical crystals See, and things involved. <laughs> elements of the earth. I don't know why that matters right now, but I thought that was kind of cool. Of course it matters. I don't know. It all, it, of course it matters, you know? It's about yeah. using, using, I mean, it's all just right here. It's not just, it's, it's, I mean, imagine that in conjunction with like a found technology of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> it is all connected, man. It is it's all connected all in some way, somehow, we some way. We just don't know quite. I mean, well, it's happening on Earth, at least, you know? We're all yeah. here. True. It's in one place. The, yeah, for the most part. <laughs> except for the things strokes, that are being but... lost to time. Right. And, like, you know, like, we, there's several reasons why we could be missing pieces of the puzzle, whether it's human influence, whether it's, like, religious or cultural intolerance, or whether it's natural disaster. You know what I mean? Or a combination of both, where, like, you mm. know, we, there's just little things that remain, but, you know, the, Yeah. Yeah. All this ancient technology and perhaps, like, you know, notions of a prehistory or, a, yeah, exactly that, forever lost. And this notion is obviously very controversial. We exactly. We talk about it in more of a fun way, less of a definitive way. No, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, definitive. there are, uh, we've, we've talked about doing, uh, covering the series, uh, what's it called again? Ancient Apocalypse. Oh. With Graham Hancock. That, yeah. That He's would be, uh, obviously a very controversial individual yes. <laughs> doesn't really have any he, credentials whatsoever like other than times likes to make some leaves and bounds <laughs> yes he is much more like very definitive and argumentative and like controversial in the things that he says rather than you know we yeah. we he like to, to make grand sweeping statements <laughs> here's the thing i like to basically set up like the, the way our logic works on into the portal is we give you something at the beginning that has some substance and then we like to make all kinds of interesting, you know, points and, and crazy ideas and thoughts that's like way at the other end of the football field here. And then you get to fill in all the middle yourself sure. rather, so. rather than being prescriptive. Well, we try our best to fill a little bit along the way. Right. We're, right. No, of course. But I'm saying like, we're not going along the way and saying this archaeologist's wrong and this person is lying. Mm-hmm. And right. I mean, we do sometimes depending on who we're talking to. I mean, the owls, I mean, Joe Nickel, come on. And we're always going to rag on them. <laughs> but 
Graham Hancock, I wanted to at least bring it up. Yeah. This isn't about his new series, but rather stuff that he has talked about in the past. And also Andrew Collins. And I will say that Andrew Collins' work is much more legitimate. Like, mm-hmm. scholarly-level research with a lot of source, resources to back it up that are yeah. peer-reviewed resources for the things that he makes arguments of. Okay. Like, like um, trying to find Atlantis, a lot of yeah. other ideas. More substance to it, for A sure, little yeah. bit more substance. But they both talk about these ideas that, like, per- perhaps ancient humans had, you know, either discovered themselves or found and used basically technologies that they definitely shouldn't have had. So evidence of high-speed drilling that is kind of unexplainable uh, in different, like, jade work and things like that. The the Denisovan Caves is one that Andrew Collins has written about, Mm -hmm. sort of a jumping-off point for this, where there's some artifacts have been found that just don't make sense. They don't date properly. They shouldn't have had the ability to be been adjusted the way they were. And that, you know, just doesn't add up. Obviously, Graham Hancock just takes things like this and runs with it, looking at different rock formations around the world and saying that this had to have been this from way pre... You know, it's basically like the Yanaguni Monument times yeah. times a million. So, yeah, there is perhaps this other ancient weirdness in, involved with the ideas of technology and ancient technologies. And then I've also kind of been dropping this this whole time. And I know, you guys, this is sort of a broad discussion of time travel and sort of the elements of the time crystal and how this has like got us thinking along this line. And one of the things I've mentioned multiple times here is sort of UFOs adjacently to this. But whenever we end up talking about UFOs in different episodes, Mm -hmm. the idea of them coming not just from a far off place, but from a different time, like time and space, like Amber teed up already, always comes up. So inevitably this had to come up here today when Mm -hmm. we're talking about a new discovery that humans have made just recently, Mm -hmm. but we're basically pretty rudimentary. (laughs) You know, that's sort of like what the conclusion we've come to in so many different episodes, right? That's why we're so enthralled with the idea of finding a downed UAP or actually, you know, having contact. And that's why everyone's so hyped up on Twitter all the time with stupid Pentagon releases and all this, (laughs) all this crap. Yes. But it it isn't just crap because it always comes up in this idea of like UFOs in connection with time travel. The -hmm. idea that could this even just be us from the future or even the past coming and going, right? Yeah. (laughs) Moving ahead or moving backward. Yeah, like a little bit of an echo through time. An even more ancient prehistory period and they're moving ahead being like, oh shit, this is how it all turned out. Or coming back (laughs) and being like, we need to fix this. Maybe we're trying to, maybe we're trying to figure out and fix it. Yeah. Right? A time period that has even predated the, you know, the period of earth that we understand. It is definitely a favorite topic of conversation when we do get into these types of things, but. I mean, inevitable with time travel, I guess, but it's, it is, it's fun. it's It's a fun concept for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, one of the burning questions of the Lodge that I think we might save really, really getting into deep with Adam is essentially the idea that, yeah, could could this have been either accidentally discovered or... Because that's the idea. Like, how would a how would a, a human time travel forward? You know what I mean? This would mm-hmm. have had to have been figured out before. Is it just... Or is it just coming backwards? Why is it always just that? We're so linear in our perception of everything, right? It's just... Well, in some concepts of it, you can go back and forth as you wish. Yeah, like Primer, where they just have, like, multiple versions of themselves going back and back and back How and back. It more like an infinite loop, which kind of right. sounds right. a lot like this technology with the, the time crystals and stuff like that, but, like, in that's a different sense of it. Exactly. Know, in its own little 
micro environment, obviously, like, you know, right. like that. Which really would tie, it, which is really going to tie into the idea of us view, of viewing a state in time. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. time crystal, it is this perpetual state. Mm-hmm. It's what would have to ha- exist for there to be echoes, the echoes in time that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. like the Partridge Creek monster. How could there possibly be mm-hmm. a preserved essence of something that happened in the past that's so real even altering the physical landscape around it in the quote present time rocks mm-hmm. falling or whatever it may be but it isn't actually there so what is it and how and how is it there but is how it is there? it saved? Is everything simultaneously happening all at once but for us we can only comprehend it on a linear sort of scale right like, i don't know right no <laughs> that's is, exactly the this point. is where we start to get a little that is room. exactly that is exactly the point <laughs> So time crystals and then just crystals, this idea of holding information or freezing mm. information per se. I guess that's how I'm Harnessing, freezing, it, right? channeling. Is it a conduit, these crystals? Mm-hmm. We're talking about physical crystals now, aren't we? Time well, I think that's maybe crystals. a nice way to bridge the gap for this, like, in, in trying to understand it. Because beyond the some of the woo-woo stuff with, like, crystal healing and going to a convention... <laughs> at like you know Mm -hmm. at a convention center for like crystals buying that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. there is a lot of unknowns about these substances that we do see and find true and different properties attributed to different crystalline structures right um yeah no no yeah it's 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 that idea of some sort of like unknown force that we could potentially harness and have now potentially harnessed already Mm mm-hmm but how far does it go and how many more applications are possible? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like okay. some interesting stuff. Too. And, and, and the, I think the other tie to this is just the idea of like crystals holding information. Yeah. The crystal skulls is one of the most fun True. paranormal ones. The idea of like who made this, how was it made? So an ancient technology that would have mm-hmm. been used to create it because it's so its shape is impossible with what the technology of the time technically and does it hold information? They based the entire fourth Indiana Jones on that concept. So was that crystal skull made with laser? <laughs> well, exactly. That's what it would have needed to be mm-hmm. made with for that shape to be created. Again. It's all coming together These then. These lasers but, and <laughs> No, that is the nice transition here, though, because we're we, at least it's something that we can, a starting point for mm-hmm. us to try and understand this. The time crystals has just been discovered and is kind of crazy and insane. But we do know that classic crystalline structures are used in supercomputing are used in information information storage. They have all kinds of other mm-hmm. crazy properties to them. And so what powers of the unknown are actually held within these structures that yeah. have the ability to impact matter itself? Because we see it. We have we're having a, we have some examples that are going to come up right in a second here. Amber, you've got some cool stuff to talk about with this crazy crystal cave in Mexico, <laughs> yeah. which is insane. Yeah, no, this is a fun one for sure. Do you want to get into that or what do we, what do we think in here? Yeah, yeah. I'll save yeah. the rods piercing the veil with time crystals because that was definitely meant for Adam. Yeah. If you recall some of our previous rod episodes, I actually do. It, it's It's a joke, but it's also serious because sure. the rods do come back. And I do think that. What was that guy's name? I don't know. Estevez? <laughs> I have no idea. He was on to Gustav. It, no, Gustav. What? <laughs> that was definitely... Ernesto? Erne- <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Actually, that might have been it. It might have been Ernesto Roberto. might have been it. Okay, I don't know. Now you're Anyways, just, okay. 
enough of that because we need to yeah, get into that topic with Adam. I think he's the, the, he's he's the, the authority expert. on rods. Exactly. Yeah. But there's another type of crystal that's defying modern scientific understanding and potentially ties into a lot of these concepts we've already kind of brought up throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. And that's, like Andrew said, this uh, city located, or sorry, not city, it's a cave located in northern Mexico, and it is called the Cave of the Crystals. It's a crystal city, basically. Basically, it, it's a pretty big cave. I actually don't have the exact um, size of the cave, but when you see the pictures, it's it's enormous, and these crystals are massive. It was actually discovered quite recently in 2000 by a group of miners. Uh, They're working Mm -hmm. about 100 meters below the surface when they uncovered these massive crystal structures up to 40 feet across and weighing 55 tons. Mm -hmm. These mammoths have must have been growing for hundreds of thousands of years before they were uncovered in modern times. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting is like these caves, it's a quite extreme environment. I'll just kind of touch on that super briefly. Essentially what you're working with here is temperatures in and around 114 degrees Fahrenheit and anywhere up to 90 to 100% relative humidity. So those are basically near fatal conditions for many human beings. Uh, yeah. You can only be in the caves for up to 30 minutes, and that's with a special suit designed by NASA. Yeah. Everyone else that's ever been in the caves, including a researcher that we saw in a documentary, this woman, she said she was only allowed in there for 10 minutes at a time. because And it was such sketchy a, even at 10 minutes. Exactly. You have to really be in control of your mental state and be able to focus because it's... Could you imagine? That just sounds like death. Anyways. Yeah. And there was a guy that did die in there. He essentially was roasted to death because he... F- he basically fell unconscious and wasn't found until the next day. And it's and, and it's like being steam cooked pretty much Ugh, because 114 yeah. degrees is definitely tolerable, but it's the fact that it's 100% humidity. You can't really like, no, cool, yeah. your body can't cool down. No, exactly. Way. So your, your sweat and your breath coming out of you is actually cooler than the breath you're intaking. So you slowly overheat. You're slowly over just heating, <laughs> cooking exactly. from the inside. Yeah. So that guy was roasted, literally. He was like a... Like a turkey. <laughs> yes. Thanksgiving. Which is unfortunate, but the it cave is. itself is insane and a massive discovery. The largest, these are the largest yeah. crystals anywhere in the world. It's bizarre. It, it is. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. So definitely we'll be posting some pictures of that. Uh, but interestingly enough, it goes a little bit further because this looks and sounds magical. It sounds like a place of wonder and it really is. And researchers have also uncovered a number of unusual phenomena associated with this particular crystal cave. And one of the most significant uh, was the observation of this low-pitched resonating hum. And it was a constant uh, whenever researchers were in the caves. And at first they had no idea what was going on if they thought... Maybe it was something to do with the way the crystals were arranged. If it was something like some sort of like resonance within them that was just perpetual. Um, And if that had something to do with the crystals somehow being alive. So, of course, there was some further investigations and there was actually discovered to be microorganisms within these crystals. There are actual fluid pockets within the crystals, and they contain these microorganisms that have been, like, called alien-esque because, um, or extremophiles is another Extremophiles, that was the one I was trying to remember there, yeah. 
Yeah, extremophiles. And because they live within this extreme environment of heat and humidity that's basically unlivable with anything else that we know. And it's kind of insane because there's nothing even close within our current genetic database to these organisms. So they're very alien in a sense. Yeah, they make the point in Mm -hmm. the documentary we watched of saying that these would be the perfect organisms to survive space travel. Yeah, they they uh, were potentially capable of living on other planets was kind of how they were described. In my mind, I'm like, what else are they capable of? Yeah, you know, very Prometheus vibes here, right? Like, where did they, did they originally not, are they not originally from Earth even? Because you have to imagine these things... They're very simple organisms. They're 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 single cell organisms. Yeah. But do they have some sort of collective mind? Ooh, yes. Or this can, yeah. A hive mind or a shared memory. Maybe this has something to do with this ability to store information within some forms of crystal. Like obviously, each crystalline structure is one hundred percent like it's unique to that structure, but. Yeah. The actual this. physical shape of the crystal itself is part of the yeah. storage information aspect of to to these yeah. different crystals. But then you and, find these. Oh, sorry. You know, no, your you know, no, just like your point of like uh, these alien-like things inside the crystal being. Yeah, they're individually very very simplistic, but like possibly having some sort of yeah much broader reach because mm-hmm. if if this is unlike any other creature we find anywhere on Earth. Even even different mm-hmm. than the some of the creatures we talked about uh, with like the um, gateway to hell episode where it's like way down deep in the earth, like crazy pressures, crazy temperatures, all yeah. that stuff. Those things are still more similar to other organisms mm-hmm. as you, as you, as you come back up closer to the surface of Earth. So yeah. this is bizarre. It's like it really is. It is kind of interesting, and it makes me think. Like I I don't know the exact ways in which crystals form i don't understand like if like all crystals would go through a fluid phase that obviously crystallizes like oh I don't no really okay know. so yeah but, so, so but that's the thing i'm not suggesting that all crystals contain these fluid pockets filled with microorganisms maybe no, no, potentially no, 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 no. at one point they did though yeah you know so that I mean? is how and, these crystals grow so i guess we yeah. should we should say that so yeah. basically this cave periodically fills up with water mm-hmm. and the water is like super mineral rich it has mm-hmm. this per- this unique content and that's the peer, that's the phase where they actually grow in size, oh, and this okay. would have taken hundreds of thousands of years for the for them to get mm-hmm. to this size. I wonder if hmm. in its earlier stages, you know, being when they were smaller, like if ancient humans had found even had hmm. had access to this this place is like a place of worship. Could you imagine? It would have been a pretty special oh. place to, to 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 find. It is about a hundred meters below the surface of the earth, and it wasn't discovered until 2000 by miners so true i feel like I it suppose. would have been pretty close off but that's interesting you mentioned underground water source because potentially there could be other caverns with similar types of things going on maybe this isn't Absolutely. one single right isolated thing so if you found something like this there could be a whole mi- like network of these microorganisms that have been flourishing in an underground world. So you're and and I mm. guess we're kind of hardlining this into two different like unique aspects to these, right? It's these sort of strange creatures, like mm-hmm. these strange living things within the crystals that like don't make a lot of sense and need to look into, and then the the mysteries of the actual crystal structures themselves. And how much mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we use them to create information storing chips today. Like how much could actually be within within them as they are, hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And how to access potential things locked within them, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing to think about, too, is going back to the hum. Is the hum associated with the 
crystalline forms is or is it associated with microorganisms or not associated with either of them at all is kind of another question that right. begs to be asked like i i have no idea what the answer would be to that like but the hum is interesting i feel like there's mm-hmm. more to explore there with even the the idea of maybe this is just my simplistic brain but even just like <laughs> the idea of like perpetual motion almost reminds me of a hum you know what I mean? It's like it's 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 a, it's a very it's, sound it's a, within the cave. So, but created by just like this like steady constant, you know, like vibration essentially. Mm-hmm. That I mean, again, like I, I I know I'm famous for just bringing up like adjacent ideas <laughs> and stuff, but like the idea of that uh, of sound being used to levitate objects or even like change mm-hmm. states of matter mm-hmm. on Earth in a very in a very earthly way. Yeah, to lift things, but that's what. The perpetual motion machine was allegedly used for with Ed out uh, out at out in Florida mm-hmm, to levitate objects. Right, so I feel like there's there's yeah. there's connections here, and and I mm-hmm. and if I'm not mistaken, I do recall one of the like quote unquote witnesses from Coral Castle that potentially being one of the things mentioned. Correct me if I'm wrong, people listening. I'll have to go back and check. <laughs> but someone like hearing like the sound that either sounded almost like electrical, like the the but like the hum oh. of like a power line type of sound. Actually I think you're right. Or, there or was something a sound spinning. Associated. Hmm. Right? And, it, and 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 like it was coming from the box at the top of the tripod that he was yeah. that was supposed to be his oh, you'll have to, yeah, rudimentary we'll have to, machine. We have to review that because I'm pretty sure you're right. I think you might be right. Hmm. And very simplistic, you know, circumstances for him using that. Like, this guy didn't have tons of money. He didn't have a laboratory with the Antikythera mechanism even level of technology, which is, like, ancient as... Yeah, was he accessing ancient forms of this similar technology? I don't know. Who knows? Very, very... Oh, Ed, we should do a follow-up on... (laughs) Let's just go to Florida. Let's go down and experience the, you know... Uh, what's it called again? The Rock Garden? Yeah. Yeah. Rock Gate. Coral Castle. Coral Castle, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, okay, so this has been a lot of uh, a lot of information, a lot of mm-hmm. us warming up again here on the microphone, I feel like. I hope we've teed up a part two really well here for you guys. Um, we do have <laughs> to kind of at least mention the chronovisor. Well, yes, this was a major inspiration for the formation of this episode. So. Yes. Andrew, so we, yeah, you did a lot of research into this and one. And we may have done this almost a little bit out of order. You know what I mean? But that's okay, because the time crystal was the impetus for researching the chronovisor. That was what got us thinking about how the hell would you build a device that is able to view time? All right, so like we've been saying throughout this whole episode so far, the topic of time crystals and alternate states of matter really got us thinking about some of the stories of time travel and their devices. And one that came to mind right away was this bizarre story of a device called the Chronovisor. Allegedly, it's blueprints that were hidden in the vaults of the Vatican, and it was a device that not not uh, th- that didn't allow for you to actually get in it and travel in time, but allowed for the viewing of different periods in time. A time mm-hmm. travel viewing device. Pretty a little cool, television of time travel. So you're viewing different periods in time without actually going there, which is bizarre. The time crystals made us think of this because of their being possibly a way of isolating and viewing different states in the past, much like the time crystals are sort of isolated in this constant state of perpetual motion. So I feel like we've tried to sort of bridge the gap with the crossover of this concept here. Mm -hmm. A newly discovered state of matter and possibly a much older device Hmm. that was not necessarily harnessing this at all, but harnessing something that would have to be connected in some way with holding 
information in time. Mm-hmm. Holding a perpetual state of a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That's basically the gist of this. Exactly. And we wanted to kick it off. We're not, we're not going to get into this right now. We're going to save this for a part two. But on May 2nd, 1972, there was this sort of famous publication. It came out from uh, an Italian magazine, I believe it was, not a newspaper, a publication called La Domenica del Corriere. And it published this claim made by a man named Father uh, Emilio, or no, Emilio Ernetti? Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Father Ernetti, titled, <laughs> A Time Machine That Photographs the Past Has Finally Been Invented. And then goes into covering Ernetti's shocking statements uh, for all of Italy to read, and then eventually the rest of the world. So this is what we've been trying to tee up. The invention of this bizarre device and the story of it just starts weird and gets even weirder all the way to the bitter end. It really does. Leaving us with a ton of different questions as to whether or not this thing is literally sitting in the vaults of the Vatican. What information about physics like could have possibly been discovered long before the things we're talking about modern mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Time crystals and lasers kicking the particles. And so much more, honestly. So stay tuned for a part two where we get into the chronovisor. Yes, it's going to be a wild journey. It's a pretty <laughs> yeah. cool story, though. It is. I'm pretty excited to get into this. And, yeah, like we've we've already said, we've kind of tried to loosely tie this together with some connective threads. But, yeah, we're going to get into something that's, like, honestly, its own super juicy little nugget. But And no doubt we'll be having to come back to some of these. Exactly. Some mm-hmm. of these uh, points that we've tried to... Oh, don't you Trying worry. to wrap our heads around here. There's going to be some more discussion and some more wild <laughs> If you want to make sense of this program, you got to give it your undivided attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. It's kind of, kind of true. <laughs> yeah, we hope you guys followed along there and we made, we made at least half sense to tee this up. <laughs> oh, Time man. travel, man. And yeah, looking forward to hopefully sitting down with Adam Benedict soon to talk about the time machine that he built and uh, putting that out there for patrons. So shout out mm. to all of our patrons, yeah. everyone who has, uh, who has stuck around uh, on there. We had a few episodes I yeah. put out in November that were fun. I did those solo, but you I did. had a really good time. And, and you I did can't a great wait. job. Well, I, I really enjoyed you. listening to them and I hope everyone else did. Just thanks for sticking by us. You know, here at ITP, we, uh, yeah. time ironically just keeps flying. Keeps by. traveling. Maybe we need a time device. So we can go back and record more episodes for you guys. <sighs> Yeah. You're actually listening to a recording that was done in 2025 and released in 2023. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> uh, if only, if only. No, it has obviously gotten a little bit harder for us to find the time like we used to back in the day every every week doing episodes. But we definitely want to keep doing it for not just for you guys, but obviously for ourselves and keep the brain sharp with researching weird, strange, awesome things. Yeah, just keep having fun with it, right? Keep having fun with it. Anything else that you wanted to get into before we before we sign off here today? I think that about wraps it up. Yeah, no, this has been fun. It's been a good, nice warm up. I feel like we, you know, we needed a little definitely little jog around the track, so yeah. to speak, here. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to getting into all of the details with this coronavirus. It's 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 packed. It's mm-hmm. packed. Big shout out uh, to Adam Kellums and Kitsune still helping us out as producers on Patreon. Massive thank you to you guys and all of our other Patreon supporters. You guys are amazing. Mm-hmm. And all of our listeners. And it's fun that we're still getting new listeners too. You know, we have enough of a backlog that um, a lot of our old episodes do get downloaded and people still find the show, yeah. which is great because we definitely don't uh, don't plan on stopping. So we hope you enjoyed this first one. Stay tuned for part two where we get into the legendary Chronovisor. All right, until next time, on Into the Portal. Your gateway to the bazaar.